This is Claire. And this is Mike. And welcome to the Finding Philothea podcast. This podcast episode is extremely spur of the moment, impromptu. Usually we plan days in advance of what we're going to talk about. We have notes ready to go. But this afternoon, I asked Mike if he wanted to record a podcast episode. And he said, why not? Let's do it. So here we are going to share our hearts. I just got back from Italy and Mike and I have not really caught up because we hit the ground running when I returned and I thought, why not invite you all in to our little catch up hangout time? Yeah, I'm excited to hear. I haven't heard much about it, so I'm very excited to hear how it all went. But first of all, Mike, how are you? I'm doing well. It was hard to be away from you and we both missed you a lot, but doing well and we're very happy to have you home. Next time you and Peter definitely have to come the whole time. Yes. I Okay, so even just every single moment, every place I saw, every meal, every Italian dish I tasted, I was like turning to look to Mike to see his reaction and be like, isn't this so good? And he wasn't there. But thank <laughs> God I was with an amazing group of pilgrims. So special, beautiful. I miss them with all my heart. I had asked God to handpick each person who he wanted on this pilgrimage, and he really did. It was just beautiful. But I am very happy to be home. Fill me in with your life, Mike. What's up? (laughs) So I recently decided to become an assistant coach for Peter's soccer team. And he's never played soccer in his life. Never played before. It's fun. It's fun to be there, get into it with the kids and help them learn the sport and learn to be teammates. And I certainly have appreciation for all the years my dad coached me in baseball. It's um, our friends keep saying that it's like Ted Lasso. Neither of us have seen that that show, but they keep seeing making that reference. They keep making that <laughs> reference that it's Ted Lasso. What else is up, Mike? Uh, work's busy, but good. And I'm just excited for fall. Excited for the change in seasons a little bit. Does and, it change seasons in Dallas? I don't. Well, I don't even think so. <laughs> it does it's, a little bit. It's been eighty degrees. We do okay. Twist. We do have a pumpkin candle burning right now, and usually I never have candles burning because I thought Mike was sensitive to smell, and so I've been like discreetly lighting this candle, this pumpkin candle. And I'm like, Mike, if it's too much, the scent, just let me know. Just blow it out if it's too much. And he loves it. I love it. Yeah. I'm shocked. This is after seven years of marriage. You guys, this is such a shock for me (laughs) that he likes the smell of candy. I feel the whole world is unlocked. Well, for this candle alone. Okay. (laughs) Good to know. Good to know. (laughs) I'll stock up on this one. Okay, we're going to delve into Italy. I feel it it just needs to be talked about. Yeah, so tell me, you plan, you've been planning this pilgrimage for a while. About two years. My friend Bond contacted me, I think two and a half years ago. She works for Select International Tours, and she invited me to lead a pilgrimage, and I 
have dreamt of doing this. I used to see people on Instagram just lead pilgrimages. And I was like, how can I do this? Because I love to travel. I grew up going on pilgrimages with my family. I went in college, um, different holy sites. And it's one of my favorite things to do ever. I just, it, you leave changed. You, you see the world, you see these, you walk in the steps of the saints and you grow closer to Christ and pilgrimages are difficult. They aren't always like, they aren't vacations. Pilgrimages are not vacations. They're a journey towards Christ. And I feel that I love it. So she invited me to do a pilgrimage and I could pretty much plan it. It sounds amazing and it is, but then it's hard to make the decision of where because you want to go everywhere. So I finally decided on Italy and something really unique about select international tours is they encourage that the sacraments be offered every single day of the pilgrimage. And that means a priest has to be present. So I invited my friend, Father Brian Stitt, and he said yes. So we came together and just prayed about what our pilgrimage should look like. And we came up with, I think, the most beautiful itinerary, wouldn't you say? It's good. I was skeptical at first. It's it's an ambitious one. But it, it was. was. <laughs> it was. Actually, it re- we were exhausted by the end, but it was worth it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. change anything other anything than... Out? Uh, maybe some tours, some local tours. We decided to follow in the footsteps of my favorite person in heaven after Mother Mary and St. Joseph, Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. I have loved him since I was 12 when I first learned about him. His life is amazing. He served the poor. He died at the age of 24. In his honor, I would pray for a gift when I turned 24. And that's the year I helped start a young adult group in Buffalo, New York, in his honor, blessed Pierre Giorgio Frasati's honor. And that's when I met Mike and where I met Mike at that young Mm -hmm. adult group, my 24 year old gift, blessed Pierre Giorgio lived in Turin. And then he had a summer home in Pologne, about a half hour from Turin. And so for the pilgrimage, we decided to fly into Rome and then slowly work our way up to the north where Turin is. So you started in Rome and how many people came on this trip? So there were 16 pilgrims, including me, and it was beautiful. Just like I said, God handpicked every single person who was meant to be on this pilgrimage. And we all flew in from different parts of the States and met in Rome. And we hit the ground running from the second we got off the plane We to fight that jet lag. We decided just to have a full day in Italy. So we went to Mass at St. Paul's um, beheading site and had mass there. We went to the Basilica of St. Paul outside the wall, one of the four major basilicas in Rome. And then we went to shop near the Vatican for items that we wanted to be blessed by the Pope the next day for the papal audience. 
So then we had the papal audience on Wednesday, and it was so beautiful because he came really close up to our group twice. And hmm. just to see him, I've, I've seen him up close like that about five years ago at a papal audience. And to see him again was just a gift. And I, I swear he always looks at me when I wait, because I'm, I'm like sure sort of waving and I always yell, I love you, Papa. Papa, I love you. So I think he and I make eye contact. I'm not sure, <laughs> but I think we do. But it was beautiful because the prayer and blessing he gives extends to family, friends, especially, and he always says, especially to children. So I, I love that. It was, it was beautiful, and I felt really close to Mike and Peter because I was away from them. But the beauty of our faith is that even when we're apart, we can be so close and united in prayer and the Eucharist. The next day we had mass at St. Peter's Basilica. And this is the day that I think had too many tours because we were standing for like eight or nine hours. Just, oh, wow. yeah, it was too without food. Um, that was the one day I think I would have changed up with a break. But Did you guys I, have lunch? After our tours. Oh, wow. And, and something I didn't realize I guess September is high peak, like travel yeah. for people. Yeah, because it's cooler. It starts to get cooler there, right? You're right. It was packed. I don't think I've been at different times throughout the year, but never in September. And when we were walking through the Vatican Museum, I was like, so many people. It was hard to even enjoy it because you were smushed. It was hot. Yeah, but. We had the finale of the Sistine Chapel at the end, so that was amazing. But then you were just so ready to eat and rest, which we did. And it's part of the pilgrimage. Whenever I got like, oh, this is hard, I'm like, no. Seeing the saints and what they did and praying in front of their tombs, I'm like, this is nothing compared. Like, my feet are hurting, so what? I'm standing mm -hmm. in Rome. I'm about to have a beautiful plate of pasta. I am not going to complain <laughs> because it's just so beautiful. And, and you just never know if, if and when you'll ever be back. The next day was Friday, September 22nd, and then we went to... The Basilica of St. Mary Major. And if you do go to Rome, make sure you do visit the four major basilicas. It's St. Mary Major, St. John Lateran, St. Peter's Basilica, and then St. Paul outside the wall. And if you pray for our Holy Father, his intentions, and our Father, Hail Mary, and Apostles' Creed, you receive a plenary indulgence if you fulfill all the, the other Wow. Do you have to go to confession too? Or? Confession oh, okay. and I think reception of the Eucharist. I think it's like 20 or 30 days. Maybe it's 40. I have my, my book of requirements of indulgences. <laughs> Don't quote me. Look it up. But just make sure you go to the four major basilicas and look up the plenary indulgence requirements because it's so worth it for our souls to do that. So we were able to do all the four major basilicas in Hamas at St. Mary Major. And then this day was beautiful because we did one of my favorite things to do on a pilgrimage in Rome is we prayed 
up the holy staircase. And tradition says that this is the staircase from Pontius Pilate's palace in Jerusalem. And the staircase was brought to Rome by St. Helen in the 4th century. So we these are the stairs that Christ walked down to Pontius Pilate during the Passion. So tradition, you ascend the staircase on your knees, praying on each step. And it was so powerful to pray, especially beside the pilgrims. And there was a really moving experience. I was just praying up each step. And then I heard someone just crying so loudly and it affected me so much because it's sometimes hard to understand and comprehend the reality that you are kneeling on the steps Jesus walked down. But to hear this woman crying and pouring out her heart to Christ through her tears, that really just, it clicked for me. I was like, I am kneeling up the stairs that Jesus walked down during his passion. So that was a really Mm. powerful experience. And from there, we went to Santa Croce, which is a church down the street that has a lot of the relics of the passion. And it's so powerful there. Just It, it has St. Thomas's incorrupt finger that he placed in the side of Christ. It has the Jesus King of the Jews sign that Pontius Pilate had on the cross, had put on oh. Jesus's cross. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, we got to go back. I've never seen that stuff. Mike, I know. I'm going to make a little itinerary for Mike and I, and and we got to go. Yeah, we do. I prayed for you there. Thank you. Every step of the way. Uh, On those staircases, I prayed for you and Peter a lot. The next day, we left Rome and headed to my favorite place in the entire world, Assisi, Italy. My name is Claire Francis. Francis is my middle name. And St. Claire and St. Francis are from Assisi. And I love the city. I grew up going on pilgrimages there. And then two weeks before I married Mike, I went on a pilgrimage there with my best friend, Mom, Mm -hmm. and the priest who married Mike and I. And then later... Yeah, we went when Peter was one. And it was awesome. it is the best place. There's nothing like it. Especially after the bustle of Rome, it's so peaceful and inviting, and the beauty is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to go back there, maybe retire there. Let's do it. <laughs> we arrived in Assisi, and we celebrated Mass at St. Mary of the Angels Church, which houses the Portiuncula, and this is... One of the churches that St. Francis rebuilt, when he heard Christ speak from the cross, Christ said, Francis, rebuild my church. And Francis took that literally and started rebuilding churches. But Christ really meant to rebuild the faith of his church. But the Porciuncula is a small church inside St. Mary of the Angels Church, where you could pray and, and just walk in the footsteps of St. Francis. Then we went up to the old city of Assisi, which is just so beautiful. And our tour guide, Christian, he was incredible. And he found a place 
in Assisi because he also does food tours. So he knows all the good food throughout each city. And he did a little wine and cheese and meat tasting for us there. It was so good. Mm. The next day we spent in Assisi too, and we had mass at the Basilica of St. Francis. That day was Sunday. It was a little rainy, but honestly, it did not matter because you're in Assisi. And then we went to the Basilica of St. Clair, and we also saw the tomb of Blessed Carlo Acutis. And that was a very powerful moment, just seeing someone our age, who would be our age, right? Yeah, he'd be around our age. Who is up for canonization and who just lived such a holy life. So praying in front of his tomb was a really powerful moment. Is he incorrupt? Okay, so I sort of started a rumor, but Father said it was a pious rumor, so. Oh, okay. What was the rumor? (laughs) So I had 15 minutes before lunch free, and then our group was meeting for lunch. Our group was going to see him after lunch, but I was so, like, yearning to see him, so I darted and saw him. And he has this covering on him, but I thought it was his skin. <laughs> and I had never seen any, it look, you guys, it looks so real. It looks like he's sleeping. And that's what I told people. I was like, it looks like I've never seen anyone incorrupt like this. It was incredible. So all during lunch, I'm telling people that, this amazing, incorruptible story that they are like, what? We got to see. So we all ran down and then someone read the sign and saw that I think he's partially incorrupt, but he has a covering. Mm, So, okay. Yeah. So everyone was right, (laughs) (laughs) but he was, he was really just amazing to see. I, right now his, novena is happening in preparation for his feast day which is this month he's just a special guy if you haven't looked him up definitely look him up blessed carlo acutis the next day we went to siena in tuscany i've never been to siena or the tuscan region and it's like paradise like another world mike how does it compare love it is it countryside what is it It's more countryside, the Tuscan area. We did wine tasting in the countryside. It was beautiful. Did you go to like castles and stuff or what? We went to an old monastery that looked like a castle. And this this monastery was so unique because the nuns who run it have an herb garden that they use to make medicinal tinctures, I guess you would call it. And they sell it in their little shop. Hmm. Just such a lovely place. And to be outside, especially after Rome, to be outside in nature with the warm breeze. It was amazing. (laughs) It was beautiful. Just the grandeur of God's creation. He seriously is the best artist. And then we went to see St. Catherine of Siena. We had Mass at St. Dominic Church where we celebrated in front of her head (laughs) isn't it like she wasn't beheaded though no so she wasn't but 
some of her body is in Rome and some is in, in Siena. Oh. In Siena. Oh. Her head is. And I think her finger is. At least I saw her her finger in corrupt. But it's amazing. Like, this sounds crazy if you aren't Catholic. Oh, it does. I mean, people are, I'm sure, shocked when they hear this kind of stuff, right? But it's also the beauty of the human body, the beauty of the human person that we believe in and that we see in our Catholic faith. And it's, it's amazing. Like, God continues to glorify us even after we're dead. It's amazing. Just, I, I feel like if you see an incorrupt body, it's like such a proof of the faith for me. Don't you feel that? Like, how could, so. how could you not after seeing such a holy person? I mean, people rationalize everything, but it's kind of hard for science to disprove that. It's amazing to me, especially the, it just shows our future in heaven, how Mary assumed into heaven body and soul. And that's when I see incorrupt saints or partially incorrupt. I'm like, they participated in that supreme perfection and, and holiness that God is gifting us with that. Just a witness of faith. It's beautiful. But anyway, all to say we had mass in front of where her head is, which sounds so <laughs> crazy. Again, if you aren't Catholic, but if you aren't Catholic and listening to this, research it because you it opens up a whole world. Yes. Saints' bodies, incorruptible, Eucharistic miracles. There's lots to look at and learn about. It's incredible. The next day we went to Florence. I've never been to Florence. It was beautiful. We saw the Duomo, just the artistry and all the genius of people creating something. I loved how people came together to create such beauty for Christ. And I'm sure there were weird things that happened or maybe selfish motives with some people, but that such talent was used to glorify God with beauty that generations after them can still enjoy, like you and me can go to Florence and see their gift to the world. I could just contemplate that forever. And it just shows how we have to use the gifts God gave us to glorify him because beauty lasts, true Mm -hmm. beauty lasts. Yeah, and it can reverberate down generations and have a profound impact on the people that experience it. So you're in Florence for a day. Did you go again? It was a quick, it felt really quick. We had Florentine steak there. There's a little indoor market that was, our tour guide showed us, and it was amazing. Yeah, I I wanted to try what makes a Florentine steak? It's the cut. And I think the how it's aged. The yeah, okay. the cut. And it's certain, I think he was saying it's a certain type of cow that's fed in a certain way. And mm. the cut, I think. Best steak you've ever had? When I ate around the bone, like he said to, <laughs> it was hands down the best steak I've had. The flavor, mm. the flavor was amazing so if you go there's an indoor market called mercado centrale 
Central Market. Central Market. And <laughs> it's two levels. Maybe there were three levels of just different restaurants, food, authentic cuisine. And that's where we got the steak and really good wine from the region too. So that was really memorable. So from Florence, we went up to Turin and that was about a three hour drive, but we made a pit stop in a gorgeous seaside town, Santa Margarita Liguare on the sea. And it's near Cinque Terre. If you've ever been to Cinque Terre, I haven't, but that's what was told to me. It's near (laughs) Cinque Terre. They're known for pesto, but there's a certain type of pasta. Oh yeah. It looks like French fries almost when you send me Oh my gosh. What's the name of it? This pasta. If you go in the highlights, my Instagram highlights, my Italy highlights, I have the name of it. Tefori? No. It'll come to me. Anyway, we had lunch there. I made everyone I was with put their feet in the water. You just need to. If you're in Italy by the sea, you need to put your feet in the water. So we spent time there. It was just a beautiful tap. Fresh fruit stands. The, I, I should have tried the seafood. Some people tried the seafood. It was looked amazing. Just a beautiful place and a, a perfect rest stop. We got back into the bus and we made our way up to Turin where we had mass that evening at Our Lady Help of Christians where the tombs of St. John Bosco and St. Mary Mazzarello, I think it is, and St. Dominic Savio are I've been to this church before and had a really powerful experience praying in front of St. John Bosco. I was in college and I prayed for my future spouse and children. And years later, when I found out that I was pregnant with Peter, his due date, which he was born on, was Our Lady Help of Christians, which is this church I was praying in, but also the great devotion that St. John Bosco had and created Our Lady Help of Christians. So to go back there and pray in front of his tomb and just thank him and thank Our Lady, who is truly the help of Christians, was a very powerful experience. We spent the night there in Turin and then spent our last day of this pilgrimage in Pologne and Europa. And so I have been for decades wanting to go to Pologne which is Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati's summer home. I went to Turin, prayed in front of his tomb. His tomb is at St. John the Baptist Church in Turin. However, his summer home, which houses the bed that he died in from polio and the relics that he has, which I was able to hold, which was amazing, are in Pologne. So the first time I went to Turin, I, I was able to pray in front of his tomb, but I wanted so badly to go to his summer home. But we, the group I was with, it was a short amount of time, and we had no idea where it was. But this time, I made sure to plan. We contacted the family, and they let us into the home because his family still owns and lives in it. And walking in his room, so... They have in Pologne his bedroom that he would stay during his time there with his family. And also next door, they put the bed that he died in. 
and both rooms are filled with his relics, his skis, his rosary, his axe. I held on to his axe, um, <laughs> his pipe. It was, it's hard to even put into words. I was weeping. I was praying. I was able to kneel in front of his bed, touch his bed, the rosary that he would pray on. And it felt like being united with such a dear friend because I know he has interceded for me throughout my entire life. He truly is a best friend and we're called to create friendships with the saints. The reality is that we are part of the communion of saints and the saints are interceding for us. They're championing us towards heaven to receive the crown that they wear. And I felt his presence so deeply And I know specific moments in my life that he has clearly interceded for me. And to be there in front of where he was, touching his things, walking in the rooms that he walked in, that he prayed in, was overwhelming and very grace-filled. It's like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. And then I walk out and... His niece is there. So his niece, who I have tried to contact for a decade, maybe Mm -hmm. over a decade, I have an email (laughs) trying to reach out to her, was there in the house. And we were able to talk with her. And she asked me why I love Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. And I was able to just pour my heart out to her and tell her just the beautiful experience. That's amazing. It's amazing. So this was the last day. So looking back on it, what were your top three moments? It sounds like this was one of them. Definitely this. The second, hands down, are are the pilgrims and who I met and, and prayed with. They were such a witness, just full of love. We had, a, along with Father Brian Sitt, we also had a, his friend who was a newly ordained priest just ordained this past May and his humility, his joy, his childlike joy just was very healing for me on the trip to, to witness, to pray and see the faith of the other pilgrims, their joy, their humility, their excitement to be there, their, their joy in the saints, their love for Christ. I went on this pilgrimage just searching for the face of Christ, and I truly found it in each of the pilgrims. And we saw such beautiful places, walked in holy places, but nothing compares to the soul of of a person, just Mm -hmm. encountering their personality. Walking beside those pilgrims was life-changing, and you're forever changed. When you encounter a person, it forever changes you, but to be surrounded by like-minded people. And I was telling you, I think, when I first got back, that there were moments of difficulty throughout the pilgrimage, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. people's flights got canceled, just just many, many sufferings, yet there was deep joy a joy that can only come from Christ and to be surrounded by such joy and, and people deeply in love with Christ that, that changes you mm-hmm. that I, I left so motivated and excited and, and I felt the grace and I prayed that I, 
that grace just continues and I can open that grace up for my family and bring that back. Another really profound moment for me was I wanted so badly to go to confession at the beginning of the pilgrimage so I could minister so purely and and good to all the pilgrims. And then at the end of the pilgrimage, I was like, I want to, it hit my heart. I want to do the same. I want to go to confession again to prepare my heart to serve and to love my computer so purely and and to be a wellspring of these graces I've received on this pilgrimage to bring it home in, in such a pure, beautiful way. So the last day of the pilgrimage, I wasn't sure if I'd be able to go to confession. I just didn't know if there was time or, or the opportunity. But in the morning, Father Stitt and our friend Donna and myself decided to go to Our Lady Help of Christians to pray where St. John Bosco was just to make a holy hour. And I walk in the church and turn and there's a priest there saying confessions and there was no line and on the board next to his name it said that he spoke English and I was able to go in and it was such a beautiful confession and he encouraged me just to be joyful and that no sin is too big for the mercy of Christ and he was beaming which made me so filled with joy and I know that that going to confession that day helped me be able to receive the graces that I experienced at Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati's home. I know it would have been a completely different experience if mm-hmm. I hadn't gone to confession. That's beautiful. But those those definitely are the three highlights. What what do you see with me coming back? Any any insights? I mean, you have a joy, you have a, a vigor about you and a vigor for the faith, and it's amazing to see. I'm very glad you got to go places that you've either always wanted to go or just have never been. Thank you, Mike. Next time you're coming with me. Yeah, get me there. <laughs> I will. <laughs> any parting thoughts or an, anything as you're listening to this, any, any send-off that has to do with the faith or just any insights on your heart to share? I'm really moved by your second takeaway of the joy that people had on the pilgrimage because it can be tempting to think about it as a vacation. It's like, well, you're in Italy, so if anything goes wrong, it's like, well, you're in Italy. But at the same time, knowing that there were these intense moments and that things didn't always go as planned and it wasn't just a small snafu. I mean, sometimes it was difficult, but you guys... All of the pilgrims, as you said, have have remained joyful throughout, and that's a big takeaway: is to rejoice in God, having having that be our strength. And that's a big takeaway for me from you, as well, to to carry that into the everyday, where you're not surrounded by all of these amazing things in Italy, but in the everyday, where you're surrounded by the amazing people in your life. That That's making me think of yesterday was St. Faustina's feast day, and I read a reflection from her in the Magnificat, and it's just a couple sentences, but she says, O oh, life so monotonous, how many treasures you contain. 
When I look at everything with the eyes of faith, no two hours are alike, and the dullness and monotony disappear. So no matter where you are, whether you're on a pilgrimage or whether you're listening to this doing the dishes or folding laundry or wherever you are, it's tempting to think that you should be somewhere else or doing something else or that you get sick of the monotony of life. However, that's where Christ is found, is in the present moment. And with the eyes of faith, every single second is precious and beautiful and an opportunity to glorify him. It's an opportunity for new graces, a newness of life for him. God bless you. Please pray for us. Please pray for all those pilgrims that we traveled with. Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. Amen.